0: Uh, you are listening to episode 21 of the Between Two Pines podcast. This week, you have myself, Austin, and my lovely co-host, Zach. This week, we're going to be talking about some art outdoor news. We're going to be uh, then reviewing is our main topic here. We're going to re- be reviewing the new meat eater documentary, uh, Stars in the Sky. Uh, we'll be covering some other stuff, our classics, uh, hot gear, cold beer, and then not anything else that we got on our mind? So we'll start out. Zach, you got anything fun and exciting that you did in the outdoors this week?
1: i uh, just been shooting my bow a lot. Um, I've actually almost completely split one of my blocks in half. Uh, it's not a foam block. Yeah. It's just one of those fabric blocks. And it just keeps spreading because I keep just drilling holes into it with it's arrows. Gaming. So it's almost completely uh, totaled. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah um and austin i gotta tell you i got a new hobby and it's oh, called i Birds. saw
0: tracy's uh it was a was that a snapchat or instagram <laughs> i saw tracy was uh had some video let's hear it
1: yeah we had a feeder last year uh we would have like one show up every now and again and that was out in the front yard but we have a bird feeder and it's got like two hooks shepherd poles. And uh, the other one was just empty, so we put, we moved the feeder to the backyard where there's less commotion going on. And we had like two or three hummingbirds showing up to it. And we just heard online, like, sometimes they get territorial, so you want to keep adding more feeders to get more hummingbirds because then they don't have to fight as much. Well, that turned into, now we have uh, (laughs) five or six feeders in our backyard and probably about seven or eight. Local hummingbirds, plus a couple more that probably show up every now and again. With talks of getting a few more next week, so (laughs) our backyard is buzzing. I think
0: you might need to do for our listeners and for our Instagram, and just for TikTok and whatever other whatever social media is. Is I I think you're going to need to make a hummingbird uh, a hummingbird feeder hat. I don't know if you've seen those. You might have. Yes,
1: I have. You know what else I found is they actually had one little. Uh, it was at Orschel's Farm and like a farm and supply store. It was a little tiny one little flower and it was a ring you could put on your finger, and it would hold like one ounce well, of sugar you, water. Do you, do you... So I think we're about to ready to ball out with. <laughs> I'm just gonna be dressed up as You'll one be giant looking flower, like Tom
0: Brady or Michael Jordan rolling off there with six. Uh, hummingbird feeder rings just come out the world <laughs> champ. <laughs> just having them feed. You should absolutely exactly. do that. That's awesome though. So yeah, they're just coming in and yeah, I, I saw and you should ask Tracy uh, for one of her videos posted on the uh, on the Instagram. Uh, you got hummingbirds coming in left and right. Yeah, those are some cool videos she posts. I can't remember what she posted on, but I saw them. Yeah, it was pretty neat.
1: Yeah, we the window feeder is really cool because they're not afraid of coming up right to it and we are just right on the other side of the window watching yeah, them. That, so it's pretty, pretty cool. Neat. Very fascinating <laughs> in the middle of summer with not yeah, much so else to 8, do. Yeah,
0: it's degrees out and you're hallucinating and you're wow, look at the hummingbirds. Yeah. Oh my god,
1: Maybe there's <laughs> yeah, no birds at all. I don't nobody. know.
0: Those are mosquitoes. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> Mirage mosquitoes. That's
0: funny.
1: But other than that, uh, not a whole heck of a lot going on. Um, Just basically shooting my bow and just working right now kind of just saving up uh time and stuff for the fall and got a lot of plans for the fall so just kind of getting geared up for that and been doing some yoga actually uh today's the third or fourth day in a row we're doing yoga um i actually feel pretty good today was upper upper back stuff and that helps out those bow shooting muscles like traps and lats a lot and um yeah, I don't know. I applied for my North Dakota Swan oh, tag you, yesterday. Today's the last day to do that. Um Yep, second week of October again this year. Um and then I gotta apply and you you do too, but preference points for Wyoming, Pronghorn, yeah, and things yeah, you'll like that. I
0: mean the links on that, I'll have to apply for that as well. Um
1: but it's just kind of, uh, yeah, getting geared up. It's I almost time.
0: believe it. I was looking at the dates. I'm looking. I go, as of today, I'm one month away from uh, bow season in Wisconsin. One month for, as of today.
1: Yeah. And then three three weeks from it's early insane. goose. It's insane.
0: It is absolutely bonkers. I cannot believe it. I don't know where this summer went. COVID made this summer fly by because there was nothing to do all summer. Um but yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm 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 excited. Um yeah, for me this or well, did you have anything else? Sorry, before I step in here.
1: No, that's it. Um I'm excited to get uh get cooler weather yeah, in the in the horizon. What,
0: like 120 degrees is cool.
1: Yeah, instead of one thirty, it's about one hundred <laughs> yeah. in September.
0: Um, yeah, for me, um well and actually I guess it'd be in the last two weeks as we didn't record last week, but um I've been out electro fishing, uh, two times, uh, in this in the last two weeks. So that was a lot of fun. I got to go out with, um, some people, uh, uh, through the university of Wisconsin. I got to go out and assist them with some electro shocking. Um, I've been practicing my bow like crazy. Uh, I've been going absolutely nuts with my smoker, I, which that has been an absolute godsend as a smoker. I've been going ham with that. And then, um, I actually went out on the river. I fished for a, a bit this weekend. I didn't catch anything. I was just kind of on a whim. I was like, I'm going to drop my boat in for an hour or so. And I went out and I had to tune my boat motor up. I'm kind of, I'm trying to get it ready for duck hunting. And I was doing different adjustments with the trim and stuff with weight in the, you know, in the boat. Um, so I, I messed with that. And then uh buddy of mine and I, we went out, we, uh, we have a duck blind that we've kind of commandeered, uh, which if you're familiar with wisconsin duck blind laws is uh all of the blinds are technically public blinds so we've kind of commandeered one that we've used in the past and uh yeah we rebuilt it put a new bench in there made it, changed all the rotten wood out and made it look real real nice so i'm pretty excited about that come duck season
1: that was kind of an abandoned. Yeah, and it was Christ, really well it?
0: built, but it was just abandoned. I mean, it was like we found it last season. It was like super overgrown. Some of the wood was rotten. And you could tell originally, like someone took a lot of time and effort to, to build this, which I should say it's kind of a weird. We're in a weird legal gray area with what we're doing because it's not on public land. It's on consolidated property. So it's a weird area in central Wisconsin on the Wisconsin River. For those that don't understand, consolidated water. uh, They own a lot of the islands on the Wisconsin River and a lot of the shoreline as well. And they allow hunting on all of their property, but they do not allow permanent structures. But a lot of duck blinds were grandfathered in. So this, it's so hard to say. And I talked to the game warden about this particular blind and he's like, well, if it's there, it's there. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use it then. And he said, yeah, that's fine. So um, we added some, like I said, we put some stuff on it. But, yeah, it's kind of one of those weird things. Like, I don't know if we can technically leave it up or can't leave it up. But I talked to the game warden. He said it was cool. So I'm just going to assume it's good. But I don't know.
1: So the blind itself is on land? Yeah, the blind
0: itself is technically on land. Yeah, but it's consolidated property, consolidated water
1: okay because i know i've hunted a few of those we've found a few of those blinds on the wisconsin and they've been actually just on like freestanding in the water with like four by four yeah, well, the, well, uh, support and i should going say technically
0: water. yes that's what this is so this is technically in the water but it's like one foot offshore you know what i mean like the the tall is. sure you know it's it's hard to tell between like if the if the river was down would probably not be touching water but when the water levels are normal it is touching water you know what i mean one of those weird but yeah it's elevated about
1: well then yeah you di- then you dive into those weird things where technically you're in the the flood plain of the navigable waterways so then you're yeah, legal there and there's just it's a, a billion, billion gray areas, and that's why
0: i just opted to talk to the game warden and i mean i i just generally told them where it was and i told him the situation he kind of just like shrugged it off and was like whatever because at the end of the day how is he able to prove who's blind it is and i think they just kind of take those like well it's not on like a state park it's not on anyone's private property it's kind of one of those weird like i said it's like a gray area so
1: which most of the regulations in every single state yeah and then
0: i've been using my smoker which i'll talk about some of the stuff that i've done with that and then practicing the bow. Yeah, I, I've I've done a lot. In the uh, oh, and actually, I went out uh, bird banding. I almost totally forgot. Um, so I, I was fortunate enough, once again, with the University of Wisconsin, I was fortunate enough to uh, to be able to tag along with some research and uh, go out and band some wood ducks. And that was super fun. First time ever banding birds. It was really cool. We got about like eight or ten of them. And uh, we were able to band them and put geolocators on some of the one-year females. And, uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience for me to learn how to do that.
1: That's cool. So did you use, for wood ducks, I'm assuming you used walk-in traps? Or were they swimming?
0: Yeah. So they were in, like, three, four feet of water with a floating, uh, like, feeder stand. Uh, Just was, like, a piece of styrofoam with some grass mat over it that we put, Or well, I didn't put it out there. But um, the researcher just had corn on as bait.
1: Sure. And then, um, so these geolocators, were they backpacks or were they uh, so bands? The, so or we banded band? every
0: duck that we uh, that we captured. But only the one-year females got actual geolocators, which were foot band geolocators. They're super tiny. They're like 200 bucks a piece. Which all I was thinking, I was like... Man, if I was able to shoot one of those, not only with a band but a geolocator on it, it'd be awesome.
1: Oh yeah, it's that's a holy, a holy grail. grail.
0: Yeah, so that was cool, but um, it'd be tough. It'd be tough keeping so the geolocator because literally they would know exactly where you are.
1: Right. Well, I remember in Iowa, um, there was certain geese that got neck collars with uh, GPS units yeah. on the neck collars, and when you called them in, you could get a replica from the DNR or like a Cabela's gift card or something oh, for giving cool. it back.
0: Yeah. yeah, that would be cool for Um,
1: and then and then in Canada we had diurnal um GPS or diurnal locators that just recorded GPSs at the certain sunrise and sunset times. Um and then I think those they got the hunters get got to keep but and I don't... Um, it's all, yeah, it's all just on um, discretion Yeah, and of I the didn't state. ask
0: this researcher um if they were allowed to keep them or not. I don't know. I think they have to return them, but I, I honestly don't know. But I, I think they're, because the battery, once they're activated, they're kind of, once they're activated, they're activated. So I think at that point, you can't really, like, reuse them because the battery is going to eventually die on them. So I don't know if they get to keep them or what.
1: Sure. And then for metal bands were you using five A's or size sixes I, I or you I, know?
0: I have no idea.
1: But Sure. I, I love that stuff. I banded a couple thousand birds in my day and I it's so much it's just a lot of fun walking up to a trap and seeing some yeah. birds bounce. So let me ask you this. That. So
0: how many so you've banded thousands of birds? How many banded birds have you shot?
1: I shot one, was it banded one of dudes. your band? Uh, It was one of my boss's bands the year before I got to band in Iowa. I always thought
0: that would be really cool to uh, shoot one of your own banded birds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know all my locations, so I've actually seen on uh, different Facebook hunting groups bands from locations I've banded at, not the year I banded them, but previous or later years, so I mean, they, they get around, I was banding in North Dakota, and some guy in wisconsin shot a banded bird at the location i was at in north dakota so it's just it's just cool i don't know get to uh, i'm sure i'll run into somebody someday that shot one of my banded birds or i i'll shoot a bird where i banded in that area but yeah i i shot one that my boss banded the year before i started there so at least I, I know yeah. the band are there then. Yeah. That was kinda
0: cool. Um but yeah, that's all I got. Um I think we can uh we can swing right into the news. Zach, do you wanna start us off here?
1: Uh yeah, just a quick one. Um we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but Trump finally uh signed off on the Great American Outdoors Act. So um it's great news. Uh really, really uh influential bill that got passed and hopefully we can see the benefits yeah, of it very no, that'd soon. Be,
0: uh, that'd be great. And yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. because I always try and keep up with USA jobs and stuff like that. And oddly enough, it does seem like there's quite a few federal jobs that like all of a sudden opened up as soon as this bill got put into uh as soon as he signed off on it. Like I'm seeing a lot more department of forestry jobs. I'm seeing a lot more fish and wildlife jobs. So I don't know if that's correlated or if I would, I'm just noticing that, but yeah. So I'm curious to see how that, uh, you know, how that plays out, especially for the job. So yeah, it's a cool thing for sure. Um, yeah. What do I got here for news article? Okay. So, uh, for anyone that's living under a rock, uh, the Confederate flag has been a, a big point of contention recently. Um, and a lot of places have banned it. I know the U.S. military base have banned bandit or a bandit, B-A-N-N-E-D, bandit, not banded it. Um, so they they've been banning the um, they've been banning the Confederate flag. And with that being said is Mississippi has been catching a lot of flack for uh, having the Confederate flag as part of their state flag. So apparently they put it up to a vote, which everyone knows when you put it up to a vote with the public, you are not going to get the the results that you want, um, which they did. So they put it up to like an Internet poll and someone accidentally uh, put up a flag that featured a giant mosquito on it as the Mississippi state flag. And it actually garnered a bunch of votes to make it to like the next round. And then, uh, yeah, and then they took it out of the running because apparently it was it was a typo. It was accidentally included on there. But I'm kind of salty. That would have been an awesome state flag. It's a giant mosquito on your state flag.
1: Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, I'm sure everybody can relate to it down in Mississippi, where I'm sure they're just terrible it's all year down. round. It's... <laughs> Yeah, well this is this all goes back to like that yes, Bodie ex- McBoat face exactly thing That's exactly what remember I that? thought
0: was Bodie McBoat face <laughs> Yeah, don't put it to an internet poll If you work for a government agency never put it to an internet poll
2: <laughs> You'll, you'll yes, always you, be disappointed You're always
0: going to get something dumb But yeah, no, I thought that was cool and I think they should have went with it but they didn't and that's a bummer
1: Yeah uh, for me, I just had a quick little study uh, the Wildlife Society put out. I thought was kind of interesting, uh, especially now that those um, those pebble pebble beach mines got approved oh, up in Alaska. Approved. But there's uh, there's some kind of leeway time where it can still get shot down again, but they did get pushed forward and I think President Trump approved him, but he can go back on him for like 30 or 60 days, something like that. Um, but anyway, so this was a study in Alberta, Canada, um, seeing what kind of uh, impacts oil and gas pits, borrow pits have on the local area. And they actually found some positives in it all where beavers actually... Uh, inhabit a lot of these borrow pits that hold water especially if they hold vegetation and things like that and uh, just from all our biology classes we know a really good prey species like beavers will attract a lot of other critters so and obviously um,
0: beavers being one of the few animals that can manipulate its its own environment um, if you have beavers in there you're actually going to be creating wetlands for Other critters, you know, your ducks, your muskrats, your, you know, whatever have you. So, that is good if you get beavers in there.
1: Right. And, um, so they looked at these, uh, pits and they just took random samples and, uh, they found beaver activity in 64% of the borrow pits and, uh, nearly 18% of them had beaver lodges in them. And, uh, You know, these are just random uh, good-for-nothing pits you see out on the landscape, but if they were close to running water, had vegetation in them, things like that, beavers did start inhabiting them, and actually in Alberta, they noticed that a lot of, like, wolverines and uh, a bunch of other carnivores like that actually started to move in as these beavers did. So, um, you know, it's not saying that these borrow pits are good, but there is still wildlife finds a way to come out and make do yeah that's if awesome you will.
0: yeah well at least you know maybe maybe it won't be as terrible as uh you know and and maybe we we will talk about it next week is about the whole pebble mine thing that might be a good topic just to cover as you know rather than doing a couple news articles we'll just talk about the whole pebble mine thing um but yeah, I think that it's good that there's, uh, you know, at least some good that could come out that could come out of this. Um, but yeah, did you have anything else?
1: That's it. Let's get into the uh, the old the documentary.
0: documentary. So... The documentary, it was by Steve Brunella. Uh It's available on Netflix. Uh, I thought it was a really good documentary. Uh, but Zach, yeah what what was your, what was your thoughts? What, what thought did you think was, of the documentary?
1: I thought it was very relatable. I thought I found myself, I find myself asking the same questions I kind of went through on the documentary when I'm sitting in a deer stand at four a.m. or in a duck blind at you know two in the morning, just kind of looking up and when you get those quiet hours, just to think to yourself how. It's controversial, and you really can't explain fully why you do it. But it's what you live for in the off season. It's what you look forward to all year long, and then you just get to dive into it in the fall. And it's just why um, why we do a lot of the things we do. And I just I just think it's we're very lucky to be a part of it. And I think that overall, it, it did a great job trying to at least express the 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 thoughts and the problems we face and the the good that comes out of it all as as hunters
0: yeah i thought the uh i thought the same thing i thought you know and it's something i what i will say is before we get into the nuts and bolts cuz we're gonna, we're going to have a good uh we're we're going to get deep here um But I thought that this, as a documentary, just as a whole, I thought this really, it was really, uh, it articulated the thought of the hunter extremely well and the thought process and the dilemmas that the hunter faces. And I didn't, I honestly did not think that this documentary took one side or the other. I think in the beginning it kind of did, but like as you watch it, I thought it kind of like, it wasn't really picking a side. It almost to me was just presenting like, here's the facts. Here's how a lot of different people feel. Cause there's a lot of different people that were like, you know, provided commentary on, um, on the topic of hunting and conservation. And overall, I thought, I just thought it was really, I thought it was great. I thought it really, really got into the mind of the hunter and what goes through a, a hunter's head as they're
1: out in the field yeah and it's not it the documentary not taking a side shows how hunters don't really sit too uh too hard on their own side or on a side because it's not like we do it for a bloodlust or do it for the thrill of the kill it's a lot more complex than that and i think the documentary did like a perfect job of showing the complexities of it all
0: yeah, it was, it was a really good, like, um, and I was just, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend is, you know, after watching this documentary, and I actually watched it twice through just so I could really absorb everything from it, um, is I really had like kind of an epiphany from this. And it, and to me, it was like, you know, it was almost like Steve Rinella was kind of in my own head you know, addressing a lot of the questions that I, the the existential questions that I have in my own head, uh, dealing with hunting. Um, but yeah, so some of the topics and, you know, I think that they had a lot of interesting characters. They had, you know, that old guy and I didn't see a lot of guys, um, uh, a lot of guys names on here, but you know, they had like Joe Rogan who I obviously know, Steve Rinella, Steve Rinella's brothers were on here. Um, but at the beginning, and it, there was a, a question right at the beginning. And Zach, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Steve Rennell is in like a bookshop. I think it was. Oh, I don't really know what it this, was. Uh, this this video
1: is actually on YouTube, uh, um, but he was at like a book signing or something.
0: Yeah, and and one of the gentlemen in the crowd basically asks him. You know what? What gives you the right, you know, to kill an animal? And this was the only part of the documentary that I thought was where Steve Rennell was kind of being a stereotypical hunter and like up on his high horse about hunting a little bit. Um, and what he said kind of threw me for a curveball because what he, he the, you know, the person in the crowd says, you know, what gives you the right to to kill this animal? And Steve Stevenela said, "You know, well, I know this animal better than you'll ever know this animal. And yeah, you know, because I know this animal and it feeds me and this and that. And I I thought that that was kind of a weird way to start this documentary, because that's not the what the the vibe that the rest of the documentary. Yeah, made. but it was just yeah, that but one the part.
1: way he started it out is I completely agreed with because he said." Look, I know you're not really asking a question, but I'm going to answer it like you are because he knew that this guy was yeah. just a troll trying to show trying to prove his point and trying to prove that he's this activist against why Steve is here. So, I feel like Steve just kind of dug into him because he needed to make a point to everyone else that and it's probably uh, honestly it's probably true that that guy doesn't know what deer eat for breakfast lunch or dinner yeah. or where they sleep or anything like that so i mean i think it just kind of irked steve because he was just there to sign his books you know and this guy just tried to make a stance yeah, but yeah. i can see where it can come off as yeah. rude or kind of just like uh, know-it-all but i i probably wouldn't react any differently if some guy posed one of those like bs questions to me you know
0: yeah it was definitely it was definitely like a loaded question it, it, the the guy in the crowd is. It, it seemed to me as though it was very much a loaded question, but um, yeah, how Steve answered it uh, was not like I said. So it, what I was getting at those essentially, if you watch a documentary, it's the first scene in the documentary, and don't take that at face value because it gets way more in depth throughout the documentary. Yeah. And I think it was it was a. Um, and I don't disagree with what Steve was saying. But I think it was kind of a weird way, you know, if I was just some random person that clicked on this documentary, you know, on Netflix, that would kind of throw me for a curveball if that was the first thing that I saw. Um, But uh, yeah, and I I thought his points that he made in in when he addressed that person at the book signing were uh, much more uh, were captured much more in depth later, which I kind of want to talk about some of those things um which we'll cover some of this other stuff but there was this guy and we'll we'll call him squints um was the i don't do that dude was tripping me out when i was watching him i was like God, I he looked like he
1: had fake hands um,
0: yeah i didn't know what, yeah it was like um, uh what was that scary movie the dude with the weird little hands
1: yeah was, so that guy was me that out. guy is robert his, c his, his, jones and he's uh uh, philosopher at UC Berkeley go figure um, and he teaches like You're a animal ethics a course or something at Berkeley too he's actually been on the hunting collective podcast a couple times he's a really I mean uh, Ben O'Brien gets way philosophical so you know it's kind of a good conversation between the well, two but he's it, it's just kind of you get to hear what he actually means from it all and stuff
0: well, and I actually thought that he, and I didn't realize that I don't listen to the hunting collective much. I listen to mediator a lot, but I've, I've only listened to a couple episodes of the hunting collective, but I actually, I thought that that guy, it didn't, he didn't give me. And what I was expecting was he was going to be, and for those, you know, that watch it, he, he's a philosopher. He, uh, is also a, a vegan, no, he's I believe vegan. Or is he vegetarian. I think he's vegetarian, vegan, um, but he he didn't seem like a person that is like on their high horse about it, and he even said that in in the documentary um but some of the questions that he raises are are very i would say are good questions and ones that need to be addressed if you're thinking about hunting Um, yeah so, sorry Zach, did you want to uh
1: no that? i I agree he's uh i mean the <sighs> Ben O'Brien on the hunting collective kind of said a good too like vegans and hunters kind of share similar uh, ideals, right? We all hate factory farms. We all ask these questions internally, but our our end product is just a little bit different where uh, sustainability in air quotes is just a different end goal for different people. You know, he even said like he understands that, veganism creates these monoculture deserts and it kills millions of you know rodents and mammals and fields and stuff like that but that's uh, that's as far as he can detach himself from direct suffering i feel like hunters kind of think of that same idea but just a little their end goal is just a little bit different where they can pick one deer out of the population and that's their that's far away enough from indirect suffering yeah, it's it stinks killing the animal, but that animal's death is, you know, a lot, I don't want to say better, but it is better than, you know, getting all of your meat from a factory farm where you're eating a different individual animal every single time you buy a steak from a store.
0: Well, and that's, um, and, and the way that Steve Arnella, and I, and I love Steve Arnella, I mean, he has very much become like a, you know, kind of a hero of mine. Um, or, or, you know, like a a role model for me. Um, but he articulated it extremely well. And he said that killing by a hunter, killing one deer, they're actually protecting the idea of all deer. And I thought that was a very, um, you know, I, I, I just thought that was very, an interesting way to put it. Because I agree, you know, you look at like, if, if you think about something like, I don't know, like chickens, right? And you think about a chicken and like a chicken running around in a farm, you know, and living a great life out in the field, like that's the idea of the chicken. The chicken has an inherent chickenness to it, you know, it, it's just running around in its field being a chicken, whereas a chicken that is in a factory farm has lost all of its chickenness. It's just a a thing that eats, gets fat, gets slaughtered, and that's it. It doesn't ever really live a life. And would you rather, you know, eat the chicken that lived a great life and has, you know, had all of its chickenness, or would you rather eat the chicken that's from a factory farm that just is pumped out like you know, like a robot and then slaughtered and never lived anything? I think that's the same idea with hunting is to protect the idea of a beautiful wild creature whether that's a deer an elk whatever you need to hunt them and and that's just the world that we live in
1: yeah it it gets a lot more complex the more you the more you want to dive into it
0: yeah yeah absolutely and um one of the things that that um uh the, the guy had talked about, and I think the point that you were making with the, the vegans versus the hunters having the same same idea, but different ways of going about it, is I think it really comes down to the, the and, I, and I've and i tried to articulate this with with other people, and I haven't really found the good words, but I call it like kind of the burden of ethics. It's like that ethical burden on a hunter to kill an animal. I don't think anyone wants, you know, I don't think any hunter gets joy out of killing something you know the actual killing of the animal i don't think any hunter gets a joy and there is like you know a slight remorse after each one uh but the the hunter puts the ethical toll if you want to call it that or the ethical tax on themselves whereas the vegan just takes the ethical toll or tax completely out of the equation so i'm just not going to deal with it It, does that make sense
1: it does i would say that vegans also put blinders on to certain aspects of their consumption so they don't have to deal with it as in yeah yeah and uh, and that's a good way to put it
0: yeah so the blinders Mm mm-hmm No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's some vegans that do that. And I think there's other ones, like even this gentleman said, like, he realizes that, you know, he is not uh, morally pure, he has not wiped his hands of, you know, uh, any ethical toll. But uh, another thing that he brought up, and I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of an interesting ethics question, is, uh, he said, should we hunt animals because it's natural? And what
1: what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think I think of course we should because um, there needs to be there needs to maintain a balance in nature and our ecosystems and all that, and us ourselves just being in our own nature have altered that ecosystem to a point where we've thrown off all these balances in nature and i think hunting is uh you know always going to be that equalizer that we need to um to maintain or and help out all the populations of all these species of animals that we hunt and that trickle down from those species in terms of like habitat and just benefits of all this money coming in from it.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, no. And, um, yeah. And it, it is one of those weird things because, um, I was listening to a podcast with Joe Rogan. It was talking about just because something is natural does not necessarily make it right, you you know, or, or make it good, You, you know, like, uh, uh, dying of, uh, you know, a disease is natural, but is it good? No, that's why we have vaccines and other things. Um, And as far as hunting is concerned, though, just for the greater scheme of just like you said, ecology and natural resources and everything else, it's something that needs to be done. And I feel like as, and this, this wasn't addressed so much in the, in the documentary, but I feel like as the hunters, uh, hunters are almost despised for taking the ethical toll that is needed to maintain said natural resources. Like the hunters are the ones that are bearing the blunder, or putting in the hard work are, you know, and, and if you want to get in the ethics, center, are taking the quote unquote ethical toll. Whereas others are quick to say you shouldn't shoot those. You shouldn't kill those animals. Nature's nature, but are not really doing much to actually, a uh, 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 better preserve or serve that. that
1: That's nature. exactly right. and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people it, the the thought comes up that like hunting equals conservation. And I wouldn't necessarily say that. I'd say hunting is a great tool to aid in conservation. and we obviously it's been thousands and thousands of years of doing that, and we obviously haven't come up with a better way to do it yet. To eliminate hunting from everything. You know, there isn't any other group that provides more funding for conservation of different species and conservation of ecosystems. So I think that hunting is essential at this point. And hunting, although it might not di- directly equal conservation, it's so dang close that they go in the same con- conversation no matter what.
0: Yeah. And actually, um, on that vein, um, Stephen Ellis said something, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I, entire, I, I get where his sentiment is coming from, but I don't know if I entirely agreed with it, um, or maybe it's, or I should say I agreed with it, but it's not quite right, um, is he said that uh, the difference between a conservationist and an environmentalist is a gun. And I, I don't entirely know if I agree with that. What, what, what did you think about that statement?
1: Yeah, I think that kind of, at least from hearing what he was saying, I think that kind of was the, that was his uh, initial thought back when the term environmentalist kind of meant tree hugger. I think he was trying to get at um, conservationist just meant you're uh, environmentalist that hunted. But I think nowadays it kind of goes hand in hand. I don't know if he still thinks that or not. I just know, I just remember hearing him talk about on podcasts where he used to de- despise environmentalists because it was just this notion of tree hugger people. Um, so they would rather be called conservationists. But I don't know if he necessarily thinks that now. I just know that that's kind of what they, he was, yeah. what his initial thoughts of those terms were.
0: Yeah, and that's what, I mean, and that's, for me, it was kind of, I think he's conflating two different things there, and, and I get, like, he was saying, like, well, you know, that's what he used to think, and, and I thought it was an interesting premise, but, you know, when I think of environmentalists, I think of someone that is more into the, uh, like, an environmentalist is looking to change things, like, legislatively. That's what I think of when I think of, like, an environmentalist is like, you know, they're going to be doing lobbying. They're going to be doing, you know, uh, I don't know, more like political stuff, I guess you could say. Whereas a conservationist is more of like the boots on the ground, you know, like doing the day-to-day operations. Like the environmentalist is the one who gets, uh, you know, a bill signed into action that gives money to, you know, whatever uh, agency. And then the conservationist is the one boots on the ground is putting that money into action and that's kind of how i've always thought of it i never thought i think you could be a hunter and be an environmentalist and i think you could be a you know vegetarian and be a conservationist you know oh,
1: yeah, what I mean? absolutely i think environmentalist kind of has this umbrella of uh the idea of habitat work or the idea of preser- preservation and then conservationists are the doers of that same conversation
0: yeah exactly which which i think that definitely the conservationists include hunters but i don't think it's limited to or do i I don't think that that's the the difference is like hunting is somehow the difference between the two um they're not mutually exclusive um yeah and then what else i got all sorts of notes on here um I, okay, so one of the scenes, and to get a little bit more fun uh, rather than this super in depth, uh, we're getting we're getting deep, we're getting <laughs> deep. Um, but uh, one of the funny, and I thought it was just a very funny thing because it is such a, I thought it was such a great glimpse into the like the mind of the hunter, what I picture of someone that hunts, and basically what the documentary had um, had outlined is how. Hunters know the animal that they're hunting better than like anything. You know, like a, a hunter almost becomes like a wildlife biologist for that species because you need to learn when they get up, what they eat, how they act. And I don't know if you remember the cutscene, but it was going between like four or five different people, and they were just rambling about their, their their given species was a guy that was like a bear hunter a guy that was a squirrel hunter a guy that was a deer hunter a guy that was i don't know you know a fisherman or something like that um and they were just rambling on those cutscenes of them being like yeah the squirrels get up at 8 a.m and it was cutting the next day yeah the deer does this and was, I, I thought it was very funny and that is legitimately how hunters are it's like you know everything about the. oh yeah
1: absolutely hunting. i know uh you know i know that uh everybody has their own kind of little, uh, their observations and you know, that's just what, that's just, you're, you're learning even when you're not, uh, directly learning, you know, you remember all that stuff. you You kind of turn into a biologist or, you know, and, uh, without even thinking about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's to, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just you learn by doing and just it, 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 it's, they coincide. They, they, you have to have you have to know the animal to be able to hunt it. You can't just walk out and be like, imagine if you explained to someone that lived, you know, like in a major city and had never seen a deer before. And you're just like, here's a gun. Go shoot a deer. Like they would never happen. It would be damn near yeah. impossible. Like, you wouldn't even know what to look for. Like, what, you're just going to, like, meander out and be like, yeah, go here. Here's a set of car keys and a gun and a hunting license. Go out. Just go kill a deer. They wouldn't know the first thing to do.
2: Hold on.
1: We got to pause. you know what time it is? It is what it is.
0: Yeah, I got to go piss too, dude. I'm I'm getting a good buzz going. That's why I'm rambling, dude. I've been pounding stellar toys. been hard on the Artois, My roommate.
1: Hard on the Artois.
0: What? Yeah, the Artois. Yeah, my roommate's like, yeah, dude, I thought I bought the cider, and he accidentally bought a six-pack of the beer. And he's like, you want them? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll have them. I'm on number five. There we
1: right go. There. Artois ciders are pretty darn good. And you're-
0: I know. Well, that's, I've, I've had the ciders like one time and I know that, I mean, all ciders are kind of, to me, they're kind of the same. Um, oh, major piss. So you're going to be in Madison this week or well, this weekend is thing. Yeah. Something?
1: Connor's picking me up in Madison. We're driving to Port Washington. <laughs>
0: It's on Saturdays it's uh, we're
1: meeting at the place Friday afternoon
0: oh, okay so I was gonna say Kenny's gonna be in um, Kenny's gonna be in at his cottage and um, I text him because he's going up with Myers so him Riley Myers and then Myers girlfriend are all gonna be up and my brother's coming up. And his girlfriend, and I told Kenny he should come up because they're doing the boat races at bullheads. Oh, okay. And I was like, I was they're doing drag boat races and having like a big thing at bullheads. And I was like, dude, like bring your boat, like we'll all just hop in our boats and go it up by bullheads. Well, yeah, Kenny did get
1: a sweet boat.
0: Yeah, he got it. Yeah, it's a nice little rig. Perfect for his needs. But I told I was talking to Myers, I was like, dude. Kenny's not going to want to come up to Point because it's a 40-minute drive up to Point. He's not going to want to come up because he's going to want to hang out at his lake. It's going to be slow, no fucking wake. I'm like, dude, Myers, you need to talk to him and just convince him to come up. It'll be a riot. Yeah. That lake is wake
1: after 11 or you know. some shit. But Kenny goes up to yeah, spend his nights shit. on or spend his days at Pleasant Lake. He's up to go exploring. He goes up yeah. to sleep at his cottage, wake up, and go out on Pleasant Lake.
0: Yes, exactly. Which I told Myers. I was like, fuck, just you drive up and yeah. fucking meet me. It's <laughs> like just leave them, come fucking meet me while Dude, I last year
1: we vote. stayed on these snowmobile trails for like I don't know, two hours. And we wound up in Ken's Lake House front yard. The snowmobile trail goes right on his street. I couldn't believe it. I looked, I'm like, Holy shit, oh, really? Ken's place. Next time we're there, <laughs> we funny. need to get Ken up there. And then we start at the cottage, and we just drive to Ken's, and then black out, and then drive back.
0: Let's start in Stevens Point and make our way to Ken's.
1: Yeah, we can sure
0: by snowmobile trail. That'd be a fucking hoot. But yeah, actually, I tell you, I gave uh, I gave Connor two snowmobiles. Oh, really? Yeah, they're not running right now. I got. I told him I was like, I'll try and help you get them running, but if not, like they're because. I bought a snowmobile trailer and two snowmobiles off of Robbie Stoltz for 250 bucks. I bought the trailer and two snowmobiles. Um, And the snowmobiles are, I mean, they're indies, they're Indy 400s. And I I mean, the one was running last year and the other one, whatever. And I was like, I I really don't want to fuck with them. So I told Connor, I was like, hey, dude, if you let me keep this trailer at your house, I'll give you the snowmobiles. I'll give you both of them. You could sell them. You could keep them. You could do whatever the fuck you want with them. I don't care. You take them. That'll be my payment for you letting me keep the trailer at your house. And he's like, oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, I gotta help him because if Connor got one, that would be you know, that'd be fun too.
1: I mean, my, the trails by Oxford go through Wisconsin Dells. They go fucking everywhere.
0: The only thing that sucks about the Stevens Point Trails or the Portage County Trails is, dude, those motherfuckers, you can't have too much snow. You can't have too little snow. They, like, will only open them if it's, like, conditions are exactly what they want. It's, like, gotta be, like, four to eight inches. Like, if you get 12 inches of snow, they'll close them.
1: The Adams County guys, if there's two inches and they can get a greater run-in, they're gonna open them no matter what.
0: Yeah, I don't get what the Stevens Point guys are a bunch of turds. And, like, Mark Marsh was asking me, he's like, oh, you should join the Snowmobile Club for Porters County. I was like, fuck those guys.
1: If you get the so keys like, to dude, the grader, maybe, open the trails yeah.
0: once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Like if they open the fucking trails, I might. But, no, I'm not giving them fucking money. They open them three days out of the We got a few,
1: me, Connor, a couple guys around us have to just start a club where, like, one weekend we spend days riding at oxford the other weekend we spend days riding in Point. the other weekend we spend days riding up at your place dude
0: when you move up here dude when you move up here it's fucking done done now that i have a snowmobile trailer it's over
1: yeah i gotta i don't know if i gotta talk to greg and i gotta look at getting just a beater for me to have in madison too but yeah
0: well talk to connor Buy one of those yeah. pieces of shit
1: them, Hey, of. I, I love indies.
0: Yeah, I yeah, two two fucking indies. Um, yeah, one's a parts one though. See so you, you'd have to get some part. Dude, just keep an eye out. I mean, I got the phaser here, like it's in my backyard right now. I got the golden oh, nugget. Dude,
1: fucking um, snowmobiles are I was looking at ATVs down here and everybody's selling ATVs for a grand or more, no matter if it's Barely running. If it's running, it's a grand or more. I was looking at snowmobiles, dude. You can get a running snowmobile for two hundred bucks. No, up in Wisconsin.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I see them all the time. All the dude. I'll buy you one tomorrow for yeah. hundred bucks.
1: I'm sure I could buy one that doesn't run that dude, needs a new I, carb for fifty bucks.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Is like that. That's snowmobiles are. A dime. I'm actually looking for a quad right now that's really what I want is I want a 4x4 four four quad with a plow that's what I'm really looking for but yeah those are the, even here the quads quads hold their value man even when they really quads shouldn't are weird.
1: dude there's fucking yeah, whatever like Honda a big red three wheelers for 1990- like
0: $790 yeah and you're like on <laughs> what fucking planet are you going to get that yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I laugh here. It's like, I told the guy he had, a, uh, it was like a 1996, uh, Polaris. I think it was a 400. And, uh, I mean, it was in good shape, but whatever, you know, your typical things for a 20 year old sled and how, well, 1996, how many years old is that? 20. Yeah. That's actually a 23 year old sled, right? 24 yeah. year old sled, um, or 24 year old ATV. And uh, he had the plow for it and whatever, and he ended up for 1300 bucks. And I was like, I'll give you 800 for it, and I'll come and pick it up. Which I don't think is a terrible – like, I didn't feel like I was lowballing him. You know, he won $1,300, 800 It's more than half. Right. You know what I mean? And he messaged me and told me to get a <laughs> job. And uh, – <laughs> And I was like, damn, dude, I would have I would have paid a thousand Don't, for it. But tell I'm him, all right, I'll give you fourteen hundred and
1: then give him the address to a comedy club and then say, Yeah, go up on stage and tell some more people <laughs> your jokes.
0: Dude, I told Colin the story, he goes, dude, send me the link. I, I say, okay. Colin messages the guy, he's like, Hey dude, like thirteen hundred bucks, like can I come this afternoon and pick it up? Like 1300 for sure. The guy's like, oh, yeah, when are you going to come? He's like, oh, yeah, at 6 o'clock. Colin's like, yeah, I'll be there. Give me the address. And the guy's like, okay. 5.55 rolls around. Colin goes, oh, man, I can't make this. I'm like, dude, you're fucking savage. Colin goes, oh, man, I can't make it, dude. I need to go get a job. And the guy's like, I was like, damn, dude, that's fucking savage as fuck yeah I was like damn dude why'd you do that it's like dude nobody fucking <laughs> flanged my brother like that I was like word respect I <laughs> oh had gosh, Max yeah, try to
1: crazy. sell my mud motor back right. in like southern Wisconsin I told him put it up.
0: yeah how we much already sold for it? It? did he sell it oh damn how much did he, how much did he get for uh, I
1: think 300 350
0: Oh, okay. 300. Up, no, I forget.
1: Sorry. I told him just put it up for like 400. Some guy just messaged him and said, Hey, I'll give you 100 cash right now. And Max said, Okay, uh, yeah, I lowest I'll do is probably 600 then. And I think I "What? That, that's more than you're asking. I said, And then Max goes, Yeah, well, the lowest I can do now is probably 750. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think exactly. he got 300 for exactly. it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I've been looking at Bud Motors. I'm actually thinking about buying the conversion kit because right now, um, you get the six and a half horse Predators over at uh, Harbor Freight for a hundred bucks.
1: Oh, you can always get them for and that so with the twenty percent off coupon.
0: Exactly. So you get the Predator for a hundred bucks, and then it's you know two forty for the company that makes the which the one Mud Skipper? I was like, damn, I
1: yeah, yeah, it's kind it of a shitty good. run, but if you just want a beat up motor or a beat up kit, they still gonna last you a couple of years. That's not bad.
0: Yeah, well, that's all I'm thinking because, like, literally, I'd want to like have my outboard and then also mount that to my transom. You know what I mean? Like, literally, just drag the thing till I get into the deep stuff. Yeah,
1: I got the I got the Swamp Runner kit, which is like the step up from that one. And it was okay. I just was. Mm-hmm. I just.
0: So is yours? Is yours a beaver tail?
1: It's a swamp runner. What do you mean? It was a long tail.
0: Yeah, it's a long tail. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I was asking. Yeah, if it's like a long tail, or if it was one of those, you know, like the other mud mo- motors, like the short the ones. Or.
1: Uh... Long long tails really short or short shafts, shafts. yeah. Okay. But, um, no, so I sold that one because the shaft is way too long. It was 85 inches. So um, I sold that, and I actually got a PPF. PPF's the company, and they make the PPF wood duck. And that's just the name of the shaft Mm -hmm. and the motor, and that's 55-inch shaft. And uh, that's on – I got a six and a half horse Briggs & Stratton on that one. So –
0: Well, I'll tell you, man. I've been strongly considering because I got a bunch of weed whackers just sitting in my house. Like, I, I, my long story short, I bought a bunch of them, Um, and I have, I have actually a couple extra props for my. I've seen guys do that. Like I have like three or, and I'm honestly wondering if I like I could just build a bracket, just in like legit all I would need it for is just to get. Like where my duck blind is is you got to go through like maybe sixty yards of just pure like weeds and grass and shit, and my outboard does not like yeah. it, and that's why I'm like ah, it might be nice just literally just for that sixty yards just to have a mud motor just to fuck and like if I had one that's on you know not a not a um you know a trolling motor like just a gas motor where I could oh. just rip it at like a million rpms and just cut up you know i would just literally just be
1: slicing yeah. the weeds i mean if 60 yards is the only the only trouble you have i would just buy a 50 dollars push pole. unless you just want to go try to get out more places than two yeah. i mean i could push i could yeah, push pole a couple hundred yards that. no problem on my duck boat
0: Yeah, well, yeah. The only thing is, my boat. I mean, that boat's fucking heavy, man. Especially if I'm gonna have two, three guys in there with fucking full decoys and everything else. I mean, it's a six. It's a sixteen forty-eight with a thirty-five. I mean,
1: me and my boss push pulled our seventeen fifty-six with a twenty-five horse mud buddy on it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Aluminum boat. boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just if if that's all your if yeah, that sixty yards is all you're worried about, I'd get a push pole instead. Because yeah, they, they be extend the twelve feet too. Plate. I mean, they're they're slick. I'd never leave home without one.
0: Yeah, you could get a good. Yeah.
1: But if you want to explore the, if you want to explore right, back well, back river swamps and stuff more, then I would definitely buy a mud motor. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, let's get back into this. Okay. All right. We are back from our, our bathroom break here. Um, but yeah, so as far as, uh, you know, we we talked a lot about a little bit more of the in-depth stuff. Um, another thing that, uh, and it was Steve Rinello's brother that he had talked about. And I, and I thought this would be a good question to ask you, Zach is, Stephen L's brother talked about like the major accomplishments versus the smaller accomplishments when it comes to hunting and how he said, like, I remember every elk I've ever shot, but I don't really remember every squirrel. And I was wondering if that's something that you face is, you know, the major versus the minor hunts and what you do or don't remember from, from hunting.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's tough. I can, I remember spots, right? I know which spots were great, you know, when I remember which farms I was on when I had a great shoot or, you know, my first couple uh, couple shoots in a new state or my first, you know, squirrels kind of get fuzzy too. And that's kind of something that I thought about. I'm like, man, why does shooting a deer versus shooting a squirrel get so, so much different in my memory banks? Because you're still killing an animal. Why don't you have the respect i don't know if respect's the best word for it but the memory for every squirrel you do as for your deer but i think it's uh i don't know i think it's a reward out it's an outcome too an outcome reward of a lot of meat you know a lot of i don't know it's weird right i i think uh telling your buddies about an ice deer you shot is definitely yeah. something that plays a factor in it versus telling your buddies you shot a squirrel with big nuts on it, you know.
0: <laughs> well, and, and that was what what I thought of it was, or at least the way that I thought of it. Yeah, exactly. I remember yeah. I remember spots. Yeah,
1: to a t-, 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 t, I know. You know where what I we mean? were sitting. I remember how the wind was hitting my face. I remember all that stuff. But to that point I remember them more so if I'm successful but I do remember areas or spots yes
0: yeah and and that's kind of how I feel about it is like I don't think anyone you know and it's one of those weird things like if you've ever pulled the trigger on any like I've been on I can't even count how many like pheasant hunts I've been on right and I can't and steven in the documentary talk about like oh this is what goes through your head and honestly when when especially with like bird hunting I, there's really not much going through my head when i'm shooting but i could tell you everything about how we got there how cold the weather that day i could tell you who i was with what happened but i couldn't tell you what was going through my head when i pulled the trigger I probably couldn't even tell you exactly how many birds I shot that day, but I can tell you everything about the hunt as a whole, but not the actual.
1: Yeah, exactly. Act of
0: dispatch. I shot my first duck. um,
1: It's my sophomore year of college. You were there. Connor was there. I think our buddy Jake and tony were both there too i could tell you exactly what the bird did i could tell you exactly that it, it landed on the water and we, me and connor spooked it up and i shot it and i can tell you you know how we did that day but i can't tell you the third day of my north dakota trip two years ago when i'm sure we limited out you know
2: mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: But you know where you hunted in North Dakota and you can tell you who you're with and everything. You could give the general facts. Yeah. Yeah, It is an interesting thing and I thought that was kind of just a a weird little tidbit and I think it goes to show the lack of bloodlust amongst hunters. I think that was a really great argument for this because I think in your memory bank if we were as hunters, if hunters were as they're depicted or pictured by many people as these lustful, you know, like um, blood hungry things, you would remember like, oh, yes. yeah, I shot it and the blood flew out of it. And it was awesome. Like I couldn't I, I couldn't tell you that at all. But I could tell you everything else about it, which I think that just goes to show and kind of what this documentary touched on. Is that there is the, the, and this is, oh, this was a, a good segue into the next question, but it's almost the, the spiritual nature of hunting or the connectivity, um, of the hunter with the, the prey or with nature yeah, and everything in general as why opposed we do to the kill. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and uh, the only last thing I wanted to touch on, and we, we've been talking here for a while, but um, the last thing I wanted to touch on is what would your argument be? Is for someone, you know, that says that they don't, uh, that they they don't agree with hunting, and the first question that is asked, Tip or at least Steve Bernello's brother had said well the first question you know if someone said they don't like hunting the first question I ask is do you eat meat and depending on how they answer that question how how do you feel about that so let's I, I will play the role of some random person I don't agree with hunting and you say to me do you eat meat I say yes I eat um, meat what would your argument for hunting do? you know
1: I would just start off with uh you can you can sit back and eat meat or you can you can put money towards the man. There's so many thoughts running through my head right now. You can you can be you can <laughs> buy meat off the grocery store. That's great. You can also take yourself out of like we talked about earlier. You can take yourself out of that um, that uh, you know consumption line of factory farms and things like that and you can go get it yourself you can you can tell you can tell me what your meat is eating every single day you can be you know air quotes organic with your meat even though i'm sure when deer eats corn it's then not organic um but you can you can see what your food what your food is eating you can uh, put money towards a good cause of restoration of habitat and landscapes and things like that. And you can, you can, a lot of hobbies you don't get much out of besides, you know, uh, peace or, or, uh, you know, a good feeling mm-hmm. with hunting. You, you get all that plus you can get meat too. I mean, it's it's kind of a win, win-win, win, 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 win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, my my argument would be, you know, okay, do you eat meat? Yes, I eat meat, but I don't support hunting. I'd say, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm selling my venison for four bucks a pound. You want to buy it from me now? Well, no, you hunted it. So what's the difference between that and the, the beef you just bought? Yeah. Nothing. You just paid somebody else to kill it for you. And that's that That to me is the argument. Like from there, if, the, if they're if it's an ethics thing, there there's no difference. Say like, okay, do you just want me to sell you the meat that I killed? So I can do that. Well, if, not legally. You know, is that what you really want? Because that's the same thing you're doing by purchasing beef. Well, not legally, yes. This is for argument's sake. Um, but, uh, you know, you could say that. But, I mean, obviously, there's way more to it from a conservation and everything else. But just from an ethics standpoint, that's kind of the way I see it. Is the reason you're getting charged? Yeah, for the meat exactly, is not only and that's how I see it too. You are, are
1: exponentially more self-sustainable and than when you're buying meat from a store. Isn't that kind of the goal? Is to be sustainable?
0: Why well, was? Yes, yes, absolutely, and I know you're at a level much above me, and I and I'm quite jealous of you in the fact that you don't buy meat anymore, and I'm like. I, I, w- I want to get to the point, point. I was just telling my girlfriend today, I was like, if I could shoot two or three deer this, this hunting season, I could potentially be self-sufficient for the year. You know, if I could shoot, you know, between 50 and 100 ducks this season, and I can you know, shoot three deer, I'd be good for there. Yeah, the that's... And you throw in a turkey... Or that's you know, a side tag. is that's why good.
1: I'm going to start hunting and more And that's where you want to be. And more and more geese, because me and my buddy shot six geese this last year, and we filled up a bucket that was probably as much meat as one of the deer that I had shot. Yes, and it's, it's great meat, just... It takes some really? practice, but you just got to kind of figure it out. But yeah, I haven't bought meat. I haven't went to the store to buy beef to eat. I bought some chicken. Shout out Break Bush chicken. I bought some chicken.
2: <laughs> shout out
0: you can't you can't pass on break but the deals are just too good everything go, all ethics all right. the ethics go to the but, side but i mean when you're you know like 98 cents a pound
1: god bless tracy for being open to trying different stuff but we eat ducks we eat geese we this year we were able to eat lucky enough to eat crane um squirrels beaver i harvest that's when i start doing a lot more of i'm gonna start harvesting a lot more beaver meat muskrat meat you know just stuff that's otherwise getting thrown away why throw it away i can do deer i have five different deer in my freezer that i'm actually starting to run low on but i did not need to buy red meat from a store um you know pheasants turkeys all that stuff squirrels You know, we had, we've had like five different meals of just squirrels. We got three meals out of one breast of turkeys, fish. You can have a fish fry and have leftovers. That's, you know, two meals for two people. It's four meals that you're not buying at a store. It's just unbelievable. If you're able to, uh, ducks, I took duck livers and hearts that I saved up throughout the year. I ground them up and made a pate. You know that's just extra stuff. It's just amazing what you can actually get out of everything that you harvest.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you know the crux of this argument and this whole documentary, and we get we get closed out here. I'm talking rambling on for almost an hour about this documentary. Um, you know, I think the crux of the argument is is that hunters, and it's something we reiterate time and time again on this podcast, is that we as hunters, you know, I, I think the worst thing that people could do is support factory farming. I, I genuinely do. I think it's a terrible in so many different ways. And one way to bypass that is to hunt. And it's it, it, it helps the environment in many ways. And it keeps factoring, you know, it doesn't support factory farming. And it gets people out in nature. I don't see what the downside is. And I think this documentary for those that maybe are on the fence about hunting or something, I think this is a great documentary to, to get at least make you introspective on the questions yeah. that you and need you to get ask to be, yourself before you a member you
1: of this awesome group. And yeah, on the outside, it might seem like a lot of people are snobby, but you're going to find people that just want to help you and they want to see you succeed in this.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well we will uh well I, I think that's that's the the uh and uh I, I think that's all I got for uh, reviewing the documentary. That's all I got out of it. Um wh- What would, would you give it? How many shotgun shells are four and a half five? and
1: not five because it wasn't long enough. I wanted to watch more.
0: yeah honestly i i'm with you i'd get i would actually and i know this is lame of me to do but i would give it four and a half as well i thought it was very good very introspective very well done i the only thing that i thought was weird was (laughs) yeah the best quote in
1: the world where he said if cabbage had legs i'd hunt them Um, too (laughs) besides that
0: (laughs) yeah that was yes i forgot about that yes that was an excellent quote um But yeah, I I would I would recommend it to any person that is thinking about hunting. or And it just it just
1: opened the world to me, too, about I want to be more self-sufficient. I want to grow stuff. I want to harvest mushrooms. I want to do this and that. I want to do all this because I'm able to harvest my meat. So why stop there?
0: Well, and that's literally what I just had, and I'm gonna have one closing remark here, so I don't, uh, I stop rambling, is I told my girlfriend today. Like we we're at the grocery store, and I said, like, no, I'm buying the cage-free eggs. I'm getting, you know, the the organic. The company's eggs, name could be organic. How? Whatever, you know what I mean? But
1: no, I'm saying that's just yeah, how flawed the system know, is. Like, I, I'm trying. People say they saying. could be eating organic, but do you? You, know, I, you still don't know.
0: Yes. And I, but what I will say is, is as a hunter as me, Austin, the hunter, I will always try and be as ethical as I can with any of my kills, fair chase, ethical practices, quick, painless kill when I hunt. And if I can't sustain myself enough from hunting, whether that be because I can't get out enough, I'm just not a good hunter, whatever that may be, if I need to supplement my hunting with actually purchasing in-store items, I feel as though I should apply that same moral and ethic obligation to purchasing it. If I'm going to be as ethical as I can when I hunt, I should be as ethical as I can when I purchase food that I can't get myself. And by that, I mean buying... You know, my meat, I now buy my beef, I get from farmers around here. So I try not to buy any beef products from the store. I try and get all those from farmers or the farmers market. And any, uh, you know, eggs and stuff, I try and get cage free, organic, you know, eggs from around if I can't get them from local people around here. And I think people should try and do that if they yeah, can. So yes, you know, that is a great if point. If you, buy ethics, know you know a know guy I mean? that
1: has you know, a hundred head of cattle and he takes them to auction, ask him if you could buy a quarter of a cow. I'm sure they can work with you or I'm sure they know how to figure it out where you can pay them for half a beef or a quarter of a beef or something like that. they Yeah, you can ask if a farmer. Is cheap right you know, now, if you see that, if you know right they got now. pigs. Say like, hey, I see and you got pigs in the yard. Is there any way or how do you how do you how would I go about buying one off of you anything like that you know they're they're in the business of making money and you're in the business of being more uh, sustainable I mean that goes hand in hand with cattle farmers pig farmers all those kind of livestock farmers.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I know this is going to sound hippie dippy, which I'm not a hippie by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're, if you're going to hunt ethically, I feel like you kind of have an obligation to buy ethically as well, but we'll close. Well, we'll, we'll get into the next section. I'll stars get out my high go and watch, uh, um, what, what was it? The, the stars above us, um, stars <laughs> in the sky, go watch it. It's awesome. Steve Renella sponsor us. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the closing stuff Hot here. gear.
1: Zach, um, I was looking online. Hot gear, cold beer. Yeah, I've been running a lot of mechanical broadheads these last couple of years. Uh, rage. I like them. But thinking about doing some Western stuff, I don't really want to do uh, spot and stock with, uh, you know, mechanicals. I I want the capabilities of bone crushing power. So I went and bought some muzzy trocar fixed blades um yeah i mean there's a archery sale going on at the local uh farm supply store so i got them for like 20 bucks for a three pack they sell uh replacement blades um and i've heard i've read reviews for the money these are some of the best most truest flying fixed blades out there so real excited to use them um I still, there's still rumblings. I might be just trying to do a mule deer hunt in Nebraska in a couple of weeks here. So uh, that's going to be my broadhead of choice if I go through with that. Or if I'm hunting, you know, uh, thicker stuff or don't know what the terrain is, I'll probably have at least one of those on in my quiver just so I have that kind of uh, a breakthrough kind of energy. uh yeah, not doing yeah. beer this week i'm kind we of leaning more beer. into your category of uh bourbons but i actually picked up some uh jim beam devil's devil's cut and uh it's pretty good i i don't believe they actually yeah. squeeze the wood to get it out but i think it's a big marketing ploy but it is very good with bourbon yeah
0: <laughs> it's a lie it's a lie uh, yeah, no, I've had it before. I mean, it, yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of, I'm not a Jim Beam guy to begin with. So it's kind of like, eh. Oh,
1: another one though, I'm too. It. I'm, I'm um,
0: ambivalent to it. I'm still
1: like, yeah, okay house. I, I don't know if you've seen those before. Um, but they are, it's a whiskey company. Is it whiskey or is it bourbon? Same difference. Uh, but it's in what looks like, uh, you know, turpentine or paint thinner bottles or, Those tin ones and yeah, and I got the apple apple one last time. Yeah, yeah, I know
0: what you're talking about. Delightful.
1: They have a bunch of other ones like spiced cherry and black uh whatever bourbon and they got a lot of good ones. I'm excited to try a few of those, but the apple one is very good.
0: Nice. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, um, I'm gonna have to go with, and I don't know that I've actually covered it previously, but is, uh, the Stanley 16 ounce classic thermos is my hot gear. Um, I use it in the winter all the time. And when I was a park ranger, that was like my go-to, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'd have my, my hot apple cider in the morning every day. And that, um, keeps everything hot, pretty good. You know, Stanley is obviously kind of the top-notch and thermoses um but i've been actually using it in the summer like when i'm on my boat like i'm putting my drinks in the thermos you know it's just a 16 ounce like tumbler thing i guess you'd call it, but it doesn't look like a tumbler like it's just a straight thermos um with a little like you push the button and it opens it up so it's like a single serving thing um but i've been putting my drinks in there just to keep them cold and i think people forget that thermoses b- work both ways both hot and cold. So if you have like a coffee thermos and you want to keep stuff cold, you could put it in a coffee thermos and it will stay cold. So I've been using that and it's been uh, super good. Love it. Stanley, 16 ounce classic would recommend to anyone. Things Super durable. I ran it over with my truck like last year and it just like got scratched and it was totally fine. Um, and then uh, if, as far as the cold beer is, I actually have a beer this week, so we switched roles. And I think I'm that's how they say the in the Stella commercials, Artois. yeah. Is that how you say it? Artois.
1: Stella toys. Yeah,
0: Stella Artois. Artois. Yeah, Stella, Artois. Yeah, Stella Artois. Um, Yeah, I know. Belgian beer. I'm sure all of you have seen it. It's a little bit too expensive for my taste to normally buy it, but I got this for free because my roommate accidentally bought it. And uh, it's really good, and I've drank a bunch of them, so I'm in. Uh, yeah, and that's all I got. I'm um, Zach. We could roll right into it. Zach's cooking corner. What do you got? Cause I, and this is this going to be Zach? Good. And um, cooking corner. I got this last up. week.
1: I took. Ham, I had ahead. four squirrels worth of legs in my freezer, um, and I took all of those and I broke them down in a crock pot for six yeah. hours on low, and they just fell off the bone at that point. And I took all those, and I took uh, croissants, and I mixed up. So I just set the croissants to the side, rolled out. I mixed up uh, cream cheese, jalapenos, tomatoes, onions, and all that squirrel together in a bowl. And then I smeared it onto these rolled-out croissants, and then I rolled the croissants up and threw them in the oven And it was like, almost like a jalapeno popper, uh, slash like squirrel burrito type of deal where it just, it was just awesome. Like it's a great freezer, uh, (laughs) freezer room maker. You need something that you just need to mix up, get, make room in your freezer. That's a great thing to do with any kind of meat, um, So, and what, uh, that, that was that out of the actually, purple? I know a guy that has the recipe from the meat eater TV show where he went to Missouri and did the squirrel hunt and catfish fishing and stuff on Netflix. That guy's name is Parker Hall. And I know a guy that got that yeah. recipe that he uses in this episode from Parker Hall himself. Parker Hall was, uh the USDA APHIS Wildlife Service uh, State Coordinator uh, back in the day when that episode aired, and that was his recipe. And I know a guy that got the recipe from him directly, and so I got that from him, and I put that to use just last week, and it turned out beautiful.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, that's something I'm I'm definitely going to be doing more of. I've been thinking about grabbing my 22 and now when I'm going to go out and, you know, uh, go search for, uh, you know, go uh, scout for deer. Yeah, you know, squirrel
1: thinking, is uh, start it's almost there. a delicacy around here. We on. can't keep too many in the freezer at once because it's always just we got something to do with it.
0: yeah um well for me i've got a lot of different stuff i've been going ham i did uh the smoker i've been Ooh. going nuts with but uh i made some uh roast beef um like i said uh farm uh i got some uh some farm meat uh from the farmer's market i got a just um i think it was a english english roast maybe i don't even know whatever um
1: Beef got that sorry, at the sorry, farmer's market beef?
0: and then uh, tossed okay. it. So basically, what I did is I marinated it over beef, yes. So um I took it, marinated it overnight in uh, Worcestershire sauce, and a basically it was like onion powder, garlic powder, um crushed black pepper, and a little bit of salt. Let it marinate overnight in that. Pulled it out, put it in the smoker for four hours at Was two, that a, was that
1: sitting in four, liquid yeah, or was that four four more of a dry 20, just based?
0: Um put in this sitting okay. in liquid, pulled it straight out of the liquid, put it in the smoker, right? Let it uh, smoke for four hours, pulled it out at four hours, dry rubbed it at four hours with um, a uh the the same mix basically it was like a garlic powder onion powder same sort of thing put it on there and i put a little dollop like i'm talking like a little itty bitty dollop of worcestershire sauce like on the top just to wet it so that the the uh, spices would stick to it um put it back in the smoker for another two and a half hours and this is all smoked over mesquite uh wood chips And uh, pulled it out, sliced it as thin as I could, made it into uh, lunch meat. And what I was actually using with it, and God, was it so good, is I cut it real fine, you know, as thin as I could slice it. But then I was putting it on um, uh, uh, Kaiser rolls with a cranberry horseradish. And just a slice of Colby Jack cheese. And those sandwiches. That's uh, that's got me, That's That's
1: got that perked my ears up a little bit here in that cranberry horseradish.
0: Lord. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the cranberry horseradish from the Three Lakes Winery up in Three Lakes, Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. Is that cranberry? It's unreal with the with any sort of like the smokiness and then the cranberry horseradish top notch. And then I also bought some rainbow trout at the farmer's market as well. And I got like three steaks. It was like two and a half pounds of it I bought. Um, And I smoked all that uh, at uh, 210 degrees for like three hours. Uh, And I brined them over like it was a, I brined them for like all day. I don't know, from like when I woke up until like the afternoon, it's like six hours or something. Um, Brined that in a uh, brown sugar, And uh salt and a little bit of soy sauce, and uh brine that for like six hours, pulled them, tossed them in the smoker, and holy hell, were those good too. And that was also over mesquite. And uh, yeah, that's the two recipes I have for this week. And I I smoked some beef jerky too, which came out really good, but I'll save that for next week. Damned
1: good. But yeah, can't go wrong with mesquite. That's usually my go-to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mesquite. And then I also bought the Jack Daniels one because I'm a psychopath. Um, but I bought oh, yeah. the Jack Daniels, the uh, the one that's from the chopped up barrels. Yeah, so I've been using those too. Those are good. Um, but, yeah, oh, so man. that's all I got. Um, but um, any, any closing anybody remarks?
1: that's looking to get into hunting is listening to this. Just try and find somebody that does it and tag along, ask questions, you know, watch that documentary uh, anybody that does hunt already watch a documentary, um, and like us on Instagram.
0: Yeah. And I second that. And I think, uh, now that we're going to have a little bit more content now that we're rolling into the hunting season, I think we're going to be much better about posting up actually stuff on the Instagram. So keep an eye out for that um but yeah follow us on instagram we are at uh between or at the between two pines podcast on instagram and uh you could follow us on any major provider podcast so thanks again and if you're a professional hit us up we will be glad to interview you all right thanks nice all right 420 for this week
1: dude Six i am so nice fucking jacked to get up there and just be able to go nice. hang out with you nice. guys for a weekend nice. or some shit